0: It's Monday, June 29th. This is LA Podcast. I am Scott Frazier here with Alyssa Walker. Just the two of us today. Hayes Davenport is taking a uh, well-deserved vacation in the middle of our, um, whatever you call it, a socially distanced vacation. Alyssa, how are you? How's your week going?
1: I'm good. Um, It's been a nice, I I was saying there's been so much going on. We haven't talked about the weather at all. And it's been a nice gloomy June in many ways.
0: I was going to say, like, I was thinking about this the other day that everything going on has been so abnormal that it has kind of overshadowed the fact that meteorologically speaking, I think we're having like the most typical... Weather year yes. that I can remember.
1: So a normal way, a normal one. Just, it's weird, just weather-wise.
0: <laughs> it's like it's weird how normal it is because yeah. we've had like a decade of every year being exceptional in at least one way. Like you know, multiple years of horrible drought conditions, and some of the worst fire seasons the state has ever seen. Of course, we don't know what's going to happen it's on true. that front this could all yet.
1: Change in July,
0: but the, I mean, we had we had a, a rainy rainy side spring but we were like hitting our average waterfall or rainfall levels and now like a a classic june gloom that i also haven't had in a while so otherwise though everything is just a total sideways shit show so it's slightly just, abnormal <laughs> You pointed out that this week has felt so long that, honestly, when, when we put together the agenda for this week and you wrote that the Wizar arrest was this week, I was like, that can't possibly be right.
1: Tuesday.
0: <laughs> that was, it was Tuesday. Last Tuesday. Yeah, of course, if you haven't already, go back and listen to our entire podcast that we did on council member Jose Huizar being arrested on a racketeering charge. He has not yet had the opportunity to enter a plea in in that case and the case against him. We are expecting additional arrests to happen in the near future, although we don't know the timeline, of course, uh, it seems like the the pace continues to to be pretty brisk. So, wouldn't be surprised if we drop this Monday morning and immediately afterward are finding out about somebody else being arrested. Fingers crossed that you that we get like one day break. <laughs> but beyond beyond the city hall corruption scandal, we have. A lot of other things to talk about. I mean, before before we get into it, are we are we at a point where we can resume doing LA stories? Do you think? Do you of have? Of
1: course. On? I mean, I want to hear yours.
0: Okay. Well, so I was I was talking about this on I went on the podcast the Antifada last week, which was fun. I talked about the legacy of the the sheriff's uh, department and all of the corruption scandals that we spend so much time talking about. And one of the things that I talked to them about in our LA story that we did there was something that I think ties into our first story of this week pretty well, which is like how how tempted I feel to just like throw caution to the wind. Like Even as somebody who is following the COVID news very carefully, the mixed signals from elected officials and everything being like, everything is still very dangerous. All of the news that's coming out is very dire. And then yet, like, you know, when I like go on my run or whatever, I see people just sitting outside and apparently enjoying themselves. Although if you, if you talk to people who work in the restaurant industry, it's like all of their worst customers basically are the people yes, that are going. We will anyway. definitely
1: talk about that. Yes. <laughs>
0: so, I, I mean, I'm just like, as somebody, it, I think it just underscores how how difficult this is, how trying and taxing the the quarantine is. That you can actually know that it's a very dangerous time to begin resuming close close encounters. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, whatever you call the opposite of social distancing. I think we should call
1: it that. Yes.
0: Um yeah, so it's a it's a dif- it's a dangerous time to to be having close encounters with other people, but it's very tempting cuz you just see people and they're having fun and you're like, "Man, maybe Eric Garcetti is right. Maybe my life is not worth protecting. Maybe I should just <laughs>
1: Maybe I need more Fresco in my life."
0: Maybe I need more fresco. So that might that is my I mean, honestly, that's pretty much the only thing I'm doing outside. I am going to tomorrow or the day that this airs, I'm going to my office for the first time oh, since wow. COVID. So it's I'm I'm interested to see what that's like. Just to like be in a, a regular office and try to do a partial work day there. We're Are you not gonna
1: ride transit there.
0: Uh-huh. I am and i'm excited for that part of it that's
1: what yeah. i that could be my story maybe from this week i uh, rode the train to my doctor's office yeah and in downtown and yeah i was like so i was very excited the night before <laughs> it was like actually yeah. like, i rode i rode the bus the other day for like a three stop bus ride I haven't taken my kids or anything on it yet but i thought it was the easiest thing to do to, to, ride the bus on a short distance. So I took the train the other day. There not a lot of people on it, even no. at a t- normal busy time of morning. I and mean, yeah, I, I, when I went down below and got on the red line, I actually started to cry a little bit just because it was so emotional just to see the city, like, you know, people who have to take it every day. Mm-hmm. And I was just like happy to be back. And then I kind of looked around, I was like, for A lot of people on here, they've been subjecting themselves to possible endangerment this whole time and and been treated like shit by metro.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's 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 like it's strange when you think there are so many people for whom that like that routine never stopped, right? Like there are so many people for whom getting on the train, getting on the bus every day continued to be a fact of life and the people who were able like like us to to work from home are really the fortunate ones. Yeah, yeah I've I've taken I've taken transit a couple of times. I actually haven't been on the red line since since all of this went down, but I have been on the bus a handful of times. And have and- you
1: noticed as you're someone that works in this industry, like the buses have been coming on time like very much on time and very well spaced between each bus. Maybe it was just the ones I was on, but...
0: It's pretty funny. They are on time and you still can't trust the arrival <laughs> predictions on the, the app. So, but it's like you can finally trust the schedule at least. Well, there's I feel one like bit that's going to go away. Yeah. Because of more the traffic coming the back. Road.
1: But everybody's unemployed. So, nobody has a job to go to maybe. But there's... There's a that one bit of news that we didn't talk about was that Transit is becoming the official metro app. They instead of building mm-hmm. a new custom off the sh- uh, a new uh, custom app they're going to use Transit, which I think is probably a good move on their yeah. part and maybe it will stay accurate. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and so I, I think that we mentioned on here they've been doing like a uh, like a COVID internal task force too and that group which is headed by Joshua shank who is the the head of Metro's office of extraordinary innovation which I love saying the name of um, much more than I love any particular thing they've ever done but they're like they put out their initial recommendations and they're they're good like mm-hmm. it's things like continuing to allow people to board uh, from the rear door of buses which is something that I've written about you've Probably written about. I think everybody who follows transit in LA has been like, why don't we do all door boarding? It speeds up the ride. It's in general uh, a better experience for everyone. Metro has kind of been very slow about doing that. Seems like that with coronavirus has maybe gone out. Uh, the door, so uh, that's a welcome change. They are also, as far as I can tell, they're looking at ways to start ramping back up the the schedules for the buses in anticipation of more ridership coming back. So, yeah, they just we'll changed one that.
1: schedule last week, or maybe like last Sunday, and then we have bus lanes going in downtown that I saw on Fifth and Sixth yeah. Street. Um, all got new paving to put in uh, bus lanes, so.
0: Let's talk about, as if, you know, every topic were not already through the lens of coronavirus, let's talk about the the state of the pandemic locally. What What's happening with that, Alyssa?
1: Well, it's funny. It's not funny. But <laughs> at the beginning of the week, or maybe like a week ago, you started to see this news coming out about all the other states that had reopened and how bad their cases and hospitalizations were going up and places like Florida and Texas and Arizona, you know, we're kind of all part of this like sunbelt. A lot of people now remember how, remember when they said that warm weather was going to kill coronavirus, but now they have decided that warm weather makes people go inside into air conditioning. So actually probably makes it worse, which, duh. I mean, of course. Honestly, this is
0: like, it's, (laughs) this is, the whole thing has been too much for me from the beginning because it is, it's, first of all, how, how do you know what the behavior of a totally new virus is going to be? You're basing it on like data that just couldn't possibly have yet. Of course not. And so then it just seems like every couple weeks we jump head on into yeah. like, we know now, now, now we, we for know. sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: So we thought it was going to be safe if you went to a hot state in the hot summer and not true. And yeah. then and about I think in the middle of the week is when the start the California numbers started as a whole started to kind of reverse as they were kind of like ticking downwards and then you saw the like California curve started to go back up. And I think by Wednesday or something there was a national news story that's mm-hmm. like LA County is now the epicenter of the coronavirus outbreak, which is always misleading as we talk about on the show right. all the time because we are larger than 40 states, and any number that you're going to come up with is going to be make us look like we're gigantic because we are gigantic (laughs) in number. But it actually was revealing some troubling data because our hospitalizations, which had been going down and staying under a certain level, I think it was like 1300 are now above 1600 again. And that's, that's what we really use to measure both the severity of people getting sick and our capacity, which is what gets strained and what um, causes a lot of other problems. So that was troubling. And yet, and yet... <laughs>
0: what happened this time?
1: <laughs> oh, and also testing. Everybody was talking about testing. Yes, there are more cases because there's more testing, but actually testing had been going down because the city had been closing some testing sites and kind of scaling back and switching yeah. to another vendor or something like that. The,
0: this was one of the like more interesting developments of the past week to me because the for for people who have not been following testing here closely, it is... Extremely confusing. There are there are private vendors operating testing. The county is providing testing. Uh, local healthcare providers are providing testing, and the city of Los Angeles is as well. City of L.A. has been very loudly proclaiming you know what a great job they're doing providing testing to angelinos in a way that according to them i mean i, I haven't personally fact checked this and the city throughout the the pandemic has made some claims that end up not being totally correct uh-huh. but they have said at least that they're providing much more testing than any other city in the country so What happened this week was interesting because, like you were saying, the number of people getting tested started going down. And when journalists started looking into it, the city said, yeah, that's because we're not making appointments available. They're reducing the amount of appointments that are available. Very funny because it happened within, I think that was like the day after that Tulsa rally where Trump was like, Slow down the testing. Yeah, it
1: seemed, it seemed oddly similar to what a tactic that was admitted by by Trump to make it look like the numbers had been deflated in some way. And that's also kind of what happened here. And because we have fear being tested and we keep having this backlog, quote unquote, every time they announce, you know, the testing results, it's always like a back. If it's too many, it's a backlog. If it's too little, it's. We're changing our testing
0: protocols. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 backlog that you're referring to. So so Dr. Ferrer, the the chief health officer for the county, she has been tasked with giving these briefings on a daily basis about this. They're the not daily of,
1: anymore. They're every other day. They only do it three times day. A week
0: now. It's which... pro- it's, pro- it's probably not that serious. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but but the the backlog, according to county officials is that and and Garcetti said something similar to this effect in one of his Garcetti shows this past week that because of all of the different sources of testing information occasionally they will get they will get huge amounts of tests from cases that m- maybe should have been reflected in previous days data right causing like a balloon basically uh, like the an elevated an elevated number to be reported on a given day. I have a I have a problem with this. I think you do too. like I, I have a problem with the the way that they're reporting this because it is always it always sounds like they're saying it's not as bad as it looks because yeah. there's this backlog. But when they say that like multiple days in a row, and weeks you know like it's kind of just sounds like there are just a lot of new cases and yeah. that actually matches what what the reporting is showing right not right. like not we like there were know. a bunch of cases back in the day, but things are getting better. It seems right. like things are not getting better.
1: Right. And I think that that we don't know if they're, I mean, maybe we know at this point, I don't know, but we talked about this earlier about how some places they will reset the numbers based on the day the test was yeah. taken or say the the death or hospitalization, like all these different things when they have backlogs. So we don't, I, they might be doing that. They all, they like to always talk about the seven day average instead of the numbers. So, but- I, at this point, it, either way you want to cut it, like, this is not good news. We're not, we're not really backlog or not. Like we're, we're, it, it, we're going on a direction we don't want to go in. And it pretty much correlates with the days that we decided to reopen the economy in several different and challenging ways.
0: <laughs> which is which is just unfortunate for for the man who Decided to reopen the the city. Um, well, okay, So before before we get into Garcetti and, and the latest from that, you you brought up that the the city said that they were slow. They were making fewer appointments available because they were switching vendors. Do we have any? data or information on why they made that decision at this point in time?
1: I think the one thing that they were saying was that a lot more private healthcare providers offer the test now. I think you can go to like CVS, you can go to all these different other places. You could go, it's much easier to get one just from your doctor. So that's why they were scaling back. But then as soon as people reported that that the, the journal, journalist reported that that was happening. There was a lot of outcry, and then immediately the city was like, "Oh, we're back up to this more test than we've ever given before." So, yeah, whatever that was, it you know either they fixed it or they were not going to fix it, and now they fixed it. So,
0: <laughs> it, yeah, kind it of kind of seems like the latter, but it's it's interesting though because that to me was reminiscent of May thirtieth, May that that whatever that mm-hmm, weekend mm-hmm. was when the the curfew and national guard that whole right. thing happened and Mayor Garcetti said his thing that uh, on Twitter I, I posted looked like it was uh, retributive for people being out in the streets protesting that they were closing all of the testing centers then they they came out and they said absolutely not we would never do that and also. Nobody else is offering these testing centers it like the the defense at that time oh, seemed right. to I to me that. like it was why are you Why are you complaining? We're doing this out of the goodness of our hearts. You should be thanking us, regardless of the manner in which the testing is conducted. That kind of, t- I got the same sort of vibe this week when, when Garcetti was like, yeah, there are all these other places that you can get testing from. You should do that. And we've done such a great job of making testing available. I don't know why you would be mad at us for not offering it. There's sort of like a quasi-righteous indignation thing going on that I think is interesting. Anyway, Garcetti had a busy week aside from doing the weird carpet pull with the in-city testing. He also wanted to announce LA Alfresco 2. What is what is LA Alfresco 2? What is that?
1: My question is, what was LA Alfresco 1? first phase cuz i'm not really right. sure i mean i have seen one uh, one alfresco in you know i haven't gone out much or done much mm-hmm. i've i've seen one alfresco in action i've seen probably 10 to 15 bars and restaurants with people inside of them yeah not alfrescoing just <laughs> using the <laughs> Using the interior of the building to eat and drink, and I, I've, you know, the,
0: it doesn't count places the, that I have
1: outdoor places already.
0: Yeah, I don't know what what the criteria was for al fresco one. I I've seen a lot of restaurants with like thing uh, with tables outside, yeah, etc. Tables
1: outside. I think I think it means you could apply for a permit a free permit. We'll talk about that again. Remember that it is free for restaurants to just do whatever they want to put tables outside and take over the right of way, either if it's a sidewalk or in some places there's like, they've been talking about taking over parking spots, but I I haven't seen anything like that around me. I don't know if you've seen like besides the one we saw at the mayor's. No,
0: I I don't think I've seen anybody taking over the right of way. This Phase two, Garcetti was down in Council District 8 in South LA in front of a restaurant called South LA Cafe announcing that the the second phase of this, he focused in his remarks very heavily on how the city's response was intended to lift up Black-owned businesses to an extent that kind of made me like, is that the difference between phase one and phase two?
1: Oh, oh well, yes, that, it was something I'm like rolling my eyes, but it is something they said, like something about this was going to focus on businesses that had requested financial help. And with a focus on, they said, minority owned businesses. I do remember something like that, but okay. If that is what you want to talk about, the other part of this second phase was that street vendors who are the businesses small businesses that are most in need of assistance right. during this time are were only now allowed to start operating again, and only the ones that had the city's permit so Again, we had restaurants getting special permission. We talked about this last week. Restaurants getting special permission approved right away to operate sidewalks. And just now, last Friday, is the first time that street vendors are, after having like, you know, a protest, after, you know, street vendors have been out there in the streets, like really trying to get their voices heard so they could could operate again. And, you know, it, it, the event wasn't even about that. You know, great. I'm glad they did it for Black-owned businesses, but like, make it about street
0: vendors. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't, like that, that was kind of what we were expecting more so for like phase two. We were expecting it to be more about that. It seemed like kind of just a restate, like you're saying, maybe it's more focused on the, it, it kind of just seemed like an opportunity to trumpet some of the programs that the mayor has recently attempted to implement both in response to coronavirus and also the the widespread demonstrations against state violence. Um, yeah, it's
1: kind of like to pull them both together in this nice little package that had like, you know, patio chairs. <laughs> Yeah, kind of like
0: maybe <laughs> maybe you guys just didn't hear me the first time that I said this. You can eat outdoors.
1: Day, yeah, remember that day that I <laughs> that you were all protesting and I said you could go outside and then you did. Right, but 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 it was like I, I found that so funny, like. Remember that, the picture, that like famous picture that was like people eating brunch in the street and then like people were marching behind marching. them like mm-hmm. it, and it was like, are you choosing like to sit in the street and eat brunch? Or are you going to protest? And it was like Garcetti's like, I'm picking these. Patio chairs in the street is my is my decision here for how to how to you know support this movement and support what people actually need. I looked through the list of Black demands for LA, and I did not see a cafe table, an umbrella in uh, in a parking spot as one of the things that they wanted from this crisis. But I'm glad <laughs> that we have
0: <laughs> well I, I mean, dining option. <laughs> so, like, just because now I, I think that all th- all three of the the largest stories here are the obviously coronavirus and the the continuing escalation of the impacts of it on Angelinos the then you also have like we were saying the Black Lives Matter protests and then the city hall corru- corruption cases <laughs> in which two sitting or former council members have now been arrested on on very serious corruption charges th- these are all Somewhat uh, inextricable at this point, to the extent that while Garcetti was doing this, he was also being asked questions about the about the investigation into City Hall. He was being asked, like, so he's out there trying to say, like, look at what we're doing in response to these protests, and kind of like trying to say, you can trust us both to take a take care of. Angelino's as the, the city continues to attempt to recover and reopen following coronavirus. We'll, we'll totally get to dig more into the semantics of that in a minute. And B, that you can trust us to reform the police because that's the line that the city council and the mayor's office have taken so far. So, both of those require a good deal of trust from the public, right? And then, unfortunately, you have this third thing where it's like, oh, by the way, you shouldn't trust anybody because, <laughs> like, we we have two members of this body in the very recent past, guilty or accused at this point, accused of serious corruption charges and a cloud of Suspicion hanging over many of the remaining people on the city council body. And so somebody was asking Garcetti, like, so Ray Chan, who was former head of Department of Building and Safety and later elevated to deputy mayor by Garcetti, by Mayor Garcetti, did you have any... Notion or any red flags regarding Ray Chan, and and Garcetti said there were no red flags that Ray Chan that he came to uh, city council with a God, what was his phrase? He was he was saying basically that Chan was recommended by everybody, everybody applauded his, like, business-first mentality, which is kind of a funny thing to say about someone who is imminently facing charges of, like, accepting and facilitating bribes from business actors. And he also was asked, like, why, why should Angelinos trust city council, or how can they? And Garcetti said... It was funny, like kind of like a something that isn't actually happening. I don't think he he said that it's unfortunate that when you have a few people doing bad things in in government capacity, that forty thousand employees of the city of L.A. all get uh, cast as guilty. I was like, I don't think anybody is saying yeah that. No. <laughs> But, but if you are like, if you're one of the maybe 16 people that people think might be guilty of something, then maybe it is good to say like, oh yeah, 40,000 of us couldn't all be guilty of the same crap. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It, it, He, he, the, I think the, the newsiest part that came out of that was that he said he is currently working with city council members to Write a ballot measure that would make city council more like the Metro Board of Directors in that council members would be unable to vote on uh, items where they had a conflict of interest. To me, Mm -hmm. that seems probably insufficient given given the breadth of what we're looking at. But that is something I guess that we have coming out of city council and the mayor's office.
1: Yeah, and just to go back to you know, the restaurant thing again, too, yeah. this was like, he, you know, he, you're right. He was kind of juggling like several narratives here and also trying to talk about that, trying to make this, this an, an equity issue yeah. or an equity. I don't know. As he appointed this new, we didn't even talk about this, but he has this new commission on race mm-hmm. and equity. And as you know, we have been talking about getting people into leadership positions who are, you know, can advocate for, you know, the black community and, uh, and these needs and, and then tries to make it about like, that somehow eating outside is like healthy or Uh will help like people not contract coronavirus. Like I, I, and, and talking about how, you know, we know that there are these huge disparities on like who is getting coronavirus in, in the city. And I do not think that restaurants have a role to play except for the fact that we know that the county is going out every week and finding that huge numbers of restaurants are in violation of health codes. I think the last number was 83% of their latest investigations were yeah. uh, in violation. So there's clearly- And that's over, a, and
0: that's, that's yeah. from a large sample. Like yeah, They, they found, what, like 30-something hundred restaurants. Yes. So over 3,000 restaurants in violation yes. of- the reopening rule. So
1: I don't really, it's fine. If you want to put people out eat out in the street, you're still making people go work in these kitchens in closed quarters right. in places that business owners might not care about them at all. And then, like you mentioned before, you have some of the worst customers that people are facing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are, restaurant owners are posting these things on Instagram. They're like, we'd love to open. We don't feel comfortable in any way that we want our workers to be in this position and that we've had some of the meanest customers we've ever experienced who refuse to take precautions too. And Hugo's and Atwater Village is just one of the ones that a lot of people have been sharing are closing their locations because customers refuse to wear a mask and there's been altercations. And you've also seen the famous Trader Joe's in North Hollywood, a woman who just started screaming at people because she didn't have a mask on and people were trying to like remove her from the store. So we are regardless of whatever you want to do to say that like the economy is open and we are ready to serve you on the sidewalk or whatever, there's going to be horrible people rooting it for everybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, that seems incredibly likely. Um, the, I, I thought that this was fascinating. I don't, I don't know if you saw that I posted this on, on Twitter too, when in the same, like, uh, Garcetti show where he was talking about all of all of these reopenings and like how uh, the city was paying attention to data and in, in, in its reopening and and sort of like blaming and scolding young people for not following the rules. When I don't I don't know if the rules are really clear to anybody at this point in time. They're certainly not clear to me anymore. But the thing that I thought was most interesting came actually when journalists were asking Mayor Garcetti questions. And one of the journalists asked Mayor Garcetti why when coronavirus is so prevalent and why when cases are continuing to increase week after week, is the city proceeding with Reopenings of new different types of businesses. We 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 talked a little bit in our group chat about how San Francisco actually canceled its plans to reopen bars. LA did not do that. We went ahead with that last Friday. Talk a little bit more about that in a second. And we also reopened, or at least announced plans to reopen other types of businesses, including gyms. And so in his response to this journalist's question, Carsetti said something. In both English and Spanish. So, if if he would like to claim that he misspoke, it will be that much more difficult because he did translate himself saying the same thing. He he said something that I thought was incredibly interesting and more than a little bit concerning, which was that he he perceives that if, for example, somebody lives in Hollywood. In, in the city of L.A. and the city of L.A. continues to have gyms and businesses like that closed, but that person can choose to drive to West Hollywood and those businesses are open in West Hollywood, then there's, he said, there is no public health benefit to keeping gyms closed in Hollywood, when a person can just go to West Hollywood and go to the gym, and
1: he had like five different examples. He was like, "You could go to Orange County, you go to Ventura." <laughs> like it's like they had really thought yeah, clearly can, about like
0: everything. Re, re, yeah, repeated this message <laughs> you several times. Can
1: do, and and people have done things like that. Actually, you know, it's and,
0: not. <laughs> and the broader, the broader like context, the the broader point that he was trying to make to be, I, I guess, fair to him was that was that he said, we're a single public health entity here. He was like, people, you, you could be in Long Beach and cross the county border over into Seal Beach, but that's still part of your like lived experience or whatever. And there might be different rules that apply to you. But in the context of what he's actually saying, if you just take it at face value, what what he's actually saying is we, we're in a complicated, a complex environment with a lot of different government actors around. And he's saying as the mayor of the largest city in all of Southern California, in all of this grand public health region that he's talking about, he doesn't view it as his role to try to, like, leverage smaller cities to do a better job of taking care of the whole body of of Southern Californians' public health. Instead, he's going to look at whoever is doing the most lax thing and then say it's his responsibility to businesses to open businesses' yes. Right. To match what the the least responsible actor is doing. And yes. that's like, what? That, what? that yeah. is so you're gonna take LA City, four million people, and be like, well, West Hollywood, you know, where West Hollywood goes, so goes LA. It's like <laughs> it when all the dispensaries insane. opened
1: up in West Hollywood, I guess, like lines down right. the block or <laughs> fine. But none uh, of it mattered. None of it mattered because Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Dad Newsom shut <laughs> us down. <laughs> there were, I think, seven counties where bars are being closed and we were one of them. Wah, wah. Uh-huh. So I guess we weren't alfresco enough to let everybody <laughs> go outside and enjoy the bars. We got in trouble. And I, it, again, it's just, I mean, we can, I think we can talk about this in the context too of like, well, What are we supposed to do? We're we're relying on this reopening of the economy to make everybody happy. A lot of people don't have jobs to go back to anyway. So it doesn't even matter to people. It's going to be a lot of jerks. I'm sure there are nice people who are enjoying bars. That's fine. But it's mostly going to be a lot of jerks who don't want to follow the rules out there taking advantage of our essential workers. And then this week is the rent is due again. And our city has done the minimal minimal actions to try to make that better for any person that wants to try to continue surviving in this city
0: the rent just keeps being due doesn't it i am before, like before before we get into the the like tiny tiny amount that the the city has has done for for renters i do just want to say like for for the the thing with the bars right that i'm just i'm i'm very interested in this so newsum throughout this whole process has been saying local governments need to lead, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, He was like sort of saying that he would take action if necessary. So it it does seem like now we have finally exceeded whatever Newsom's red line was as Well, governor. like, the county
1: did have a warning. They kept, they were, I mean, they kind of said this was coming. LA County did, yeah. have, they have, a, the language changed in their, like, daily thing, daily uh, briefings. But go ahead. There are press releases.
0: But, I mean, like, so, so like you were saying a minute ago, like, so many businesses have said, we, we want to be open but it doesn't make sense for us to be open right now and that they're just like they're they're not going ahead with it even though they had permission from uh even though they had permission from the county and from the city now they seem very smart right like because if you if you think about this they had one week where bars were open what's happening to all of those people who were who were hired back or brought back from furlough or whatever? It's or so, went and
1: bought food because they thought they would be able to have a job. They would have like a paycheck,
0: <laughs> like, like yeah, a continuing I mean, paycheck. It's so it's so grossly irresponsible that the city did this, it, despite the clear evidence. I would say the most crystal clear evidence that it was not a good idea. We had the bizarre spectacle of multiple public officials, including Mayor Garcetti, repeatedly coming out and saying, don't go outside, stay in your house. This is what we're reopening today. Enjoy, go to the bars, but don't leave your homes. It was like so hard to to parse and follow. And it was so clear that they knew that this was not a good idea and were only doing it because of whatever perceived economic benefit there might be for, I, I would say, definitely not for the region as a whole, because no. that involves the people that you're exposing to a deadly illness. But presumably for some individual business owners, there was a perceived benefit. And now the state has had to step in. And and I, I think that that, given Newsom's complete reluctance to do that, is like it's just a sign of how irresponsible that the city was being, right? That's yes. how I take it.
1: Yes. And and, to, and for the mayor to keep saying, you know, it's not really my decision. It's up to the county. <laughs> right. I mean, but yet he is acting like the emperor of Southern California right now. So there's yes. no... He, nobody knows that. I mean, if he wants to say we want to send a message that to be like, you know, this is still a very serious and horrible thing. Maybe don't go have a press conference for your street plazas on a Friday to like encourage people to go out drinking. And they did go out drinking Friday. I mean, that I, I, it's just like, I don't, it's, it's fine if you want to do these things. And that's, it's great if businesses want to try to stay open but it's making it seem like it's required and that it's like socially okay and it is really not. We are not at that point. Neither, yet. neither
0: of those things. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's let's talk about let's talk about rent. The the city announced again big fanfare, everything that they do. I think that they're finally like starting to get the sense that they are being watched closely because <laughs> now every action that they take is being right. amplified considerably. The Instagram but what was influencers.
1: This? Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> what, what was, what was the, the rental program that they announced in advance of July 1st.
1: So they've been teasing this idea. You know, the pressure has been from a lot of the groups, the Healthy LA Coalition, among others now. I mean, we basically have one giant coalition that is coalesced around Black Lives Matter. And Mm -hmm. it's every single group that has been pushing for any type of reform in the city is now saying just, Do the people's budget and we'll all be cool. But until then, that has not happened yet. What the city council has, you know, they said they can't cancel cancel rent. They can't do all these things that, you know, people are asking for that would really help the most, the people who are most in trouble uh, come July 1st. They did extend the eviction moratorium to July 31st. So, so you can't get evicted for anything related to not having a job for the pandemic, which is they should just probably just keep that going forward. They keep moving it every month, but like, you know, that's fine. We'll, you're good for that for another is month. It,
0: is it technically until the end of the emergency? Like I the think local so, but I think the, I think the original
1: like, language, yeah, they have to just yeah. keep extending it because nobody knew this would last as right. long as it did. And then they had said the last time, you know, when there was a lot of pressure around rent cancellation, which they said they couldn't do. They said, okay, well, instead we're going to do this rental assistance program where you know, if you need help, you can apply and we'll help you pay your rent. Some people don't like things like rental assistance because you're really just giving money to the landlords, you know, who right. could be acting in bad faith in, in some instances. But if it helps people survive and get to the next month, then that that could help some families. But And they said they would have enough money to help 50,000 families to get help. But mm. then what they announced this week was that you'd have to apply and it would be a lottery. A
0: lottery. Like so
1: many other things during this time, (laughs) like the (laughs) Angelino card. And I'm sure there are other examples, maybe, you know, what any kind of assistance you might get. Having it be a lottery means you fill out, you have to fill out all these forms. You have to wait and find out. You have to make sure you can get, you're able to be contacted. You have to make sure you have, you know, all your paperwork in order whatever they're going to request. And I think a lot of people are pretty upset that it would be decided that way or that we couldn't have something that would be, more like a universal basic income type thing yeah. for people who need it most. You just like automatically get it or something like that. I think this is going to be uh, really troubling, especially because as a story that came out from Liam Dillon at the LA Times last week, this wasn't this past week or the week before, right. a lot of people are still getting evicted and still getting harassed. And particularly in South LA and communities that have been hardest hit from coronavirus.
0: Yeah. I want I want to talk about that in one second, just to to give a few Figures for the rental assistance program, it's a total of a hundred million dollars uh, available, like you were saying they they anticipate being able to help fifty thousand families. Obviously, that is immediately going to be swallowed whole by the amount of need that there is in the city the the tenants that are eligible, it's anybody whose household income is eighty percent or less of the area median income which is about $80,000 for a family of four. And and they do have a different figure for each household size. But the lottery thing, I mean, this is basically a, the the program is sort of like a local version of Section 8, which is funded mm-hmm. by the federal government. And similarly, section eight is also a a lottery. lottery. And the the wait list has been closed for a decade. Actually, sorry. I I think I said that on this show before and someone corrected me that it had been reopened for a couple of days at at various points in that period. So a decade of the wait list being mostly closed, I guess. this fundamentally still makes my point that the, the the funding and the access is not commensurate with the need that exists. Obviously, a hundred million dollars for rental assistance during a, a pandemic that has caused, I, I think the latest figures are like something like 25 to 30 percent of Angelinos in the workforce are now unemployed. Just horrific numbers and not the kind of thing that can be addressed by this type of spend. Many people who are associated with the people's budget immediately pointed out that $100 million is actually like less than it's like about what the city council proposed that they were going to cut from LAPD out of their, out of their $3 billion annual annual allotment. I mean, it is kind of indicative of what, what the people's budget is rooted in this idea that spending billions of dollars on police makes it impossible to actually provide services that could do things like keep people in their homes, keep people from falling into homelessness. Police who
1: are then paid to respond to eviction calls is part of that story that Liam wrote. Like people are, the police are actually in charge of evicting people also, which is something important to bring up. And then criminalizing people who have to live on the streets or be homeless for a short amount of time.
0: Right, exactly. And I mean... As far as as far as the eviction thing goes, all all I wanted to say about that is like what what I said a couple of weeks ago on Twitter was I had been doing like just like a look into what what was happening with evictions since COVID started. There is an eviction moratorium. In case uh, listeners don't remember, during the emergency period, Mayor Garcetti signed an executive order saying that evictions. For like for no cause, basically no fault evictions could not be um, effectuated during the period of the emergency in Los Angeles, and also anything that was like a for cause eviction. During, or that was related to COVID was also suspended. So uh, we don't have a total eviction moratorium. There are many loopholes that, that landlords can get through, but there and are, are yeah. there are also just like landlords that, like you were saying, Alyssa, that might just be taking advantage of sure. the situation of course. anyway even if it's illegal.
1: And we've seen those letters. Like there's been all those letters shared about just people making up these bullshit reasons for asking for advance payments or documentation that you've gotten federal support, things like that.
0: And I I actually have I actually have several of those too because I, I I requested some any like emails about evictions from a couple of different council members, including mine, Mitch O'Farrell. And like you get you see these letters that are like, please help me, my landlord is attempting to illegally evict me. And the council members who voted on this weak eviction moratorium and like voted it down. Or voted down the stronger one, are like, you have to go to HCIDLA and yeah. talk to them about this. We Sign can't help up. you. Sorry. Yeah. And also, you need to give advance notice if you can't pay rent, et cetera, et cetera. And, but, but I think one of the things that was most troubling to me was that when I asked, the housing department for this uh, data, they said, we do not have any data on, quote unquote, four cause evictions. Those are the evictions that are for things like breaking your lease or, or for breaking the law. And so the city just doesn't know when that's yeah. happening. So yeah. potentially, and I think that that is really striking to me because what the city has done during coronavirus is to say we're protecting renters because we're like we're making it harder for landlords to evict tenants, but they haven't because they don't know when that's happening. Right. All of the burden falls on tenants who frequently do not know what the law is or whether or not their landlord can evict them. Now uh city has created this extremely complicated system of when it is and is not acceptable to evict somebody. And a tenant, I mean, what are the odds that somebody is going to have the wherewithal to know whether or not their landlord is doing something that is illegal? They will tell you very directly that even if they are breaking the law, they will tell you that they're not And then you have to like go get a lawyer with what money? You have no money. You're being evicted from your apartment.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And the fact that this this is going into place now, you know, three, four months later after this whole thing started, we've had, you've had to pay rent this entire time or you have had to work out a deal where you weren't paying it. And then you have to somehow have it in the back of your mind that you have to pay it back someday. I mean, it's... The right. stress, the stress of finding out if you won the lottery, you're adding this <laughs> on top of everything else. And then Ugh. also announced this week, just, you know, to, to note like that we don't really have a good way of catching people who are falling into homelessness. Lhasa this week talked about how they have a new goal for Project Key, which is kind of stalled. they we're going to move 15,000 people into hotel rooms who were experiencing homelessness and kind of put them in this semi-long-term, short-term, long-term housing situation. It's been stalled at 3,000 rooms for two weeks, probably more than two weeks. So they are kind of saying now, yeah, we're, we're not sure if this is going to work. We're going to now try to move people into hotels and maybe purchase some hotels and maybe like, you know, let people live in hotels. But again, like we have no idea if this is going to be implemented or if it's going to actually work or catch the people who need it most to make sure that they are going to get housed so more people are going to become homeless over the next few months.
0: Yeah, and Many I mean, more. that does seem like a certainty. And it, there's not like the, the kind of action that we're seeing at, at the city level that would do anything to prevent that. In fact, I mean, they're just saying we can't do anything about it, kind of. So... We have a fun update on the the lead-in sort of undercard story that we talked about in our emergency episode. It is about the Tampuccino. Okay, so that was our Tampuccino theme, which was sent in to us by a listener who goes by the name of Importer. Check him out, and thank you so much for, for the excellent theme song. If you haven't listened to the last episode, this was a one in a series of... What would you even call these? It's like... Cops finding things in beverages. Uh, this one. <laughs> Uh, cops lying about finding things in beverages, I guess is more accurate. There was famously like a, a case in New York where the where NYPD officers had said that they were poisoned intentionally when they went to Shake Shack and that was later determined to be a lie. And then locally, actually about the same time, there were reports here that well, uh, went to fo- local Fox News anchor who posted that the the sheriff's department was investigating reports that a Starbucks worker had put a tampon inside a frappuccino, which had then been mostly imbibed by an off-duty LAPD officer, (laughs) along with a picture of something very disgusting that was clearly not any kind of menstrual product, but looked like the kind of thing that you pull out of your drain with a snake. (laughs) So the the update on the, the Tampuccino saga, which I only hope continues forever, I hope it never ends, is that the Target in which the Starbucks was located after several days of everyone on the internet from like Jezebel to the Guardian sort of debunking that this item could possibly have been a tampon at any point in its existence. <laughs> the Target said that they had reviewed the surveillance footage and found no evidence that the drink was tampered with in any way. So I mean, another, another, what, what do you even make of this? There's like, stop lying about finding things in your drinks. What, what is happening?
1: I mean, if you're not going to release information about when you shoot and kill somebody, why would you release accurate information about what is found in your frozen blended drink?
0: That is a very good question, <laughs> Alyssa. And it is actually exactly what the The Guardian asked in an article that they put out, uh, a column that they put out that was called "If we can't Trust, If we can't trust Police about, what is happening with their drinks? Why would we trust them about anything else? There's something to that effect. It it is hard. I mean, in a, in a week where, um, of course, in the the killing of Andres Guardado, we have the sheriff's department actively restricting the amount of information that could come out about the the coroner's report. It's hard to it's hard to trust that they are being on the level when they are also simultaneously making up things about frappuccinos. <laughs> Lastly, this week, we want to talk about the continued protests. I think the although the coverage has definitely died down and the, the crowd sizes are not quite as large as they have been in recent weeks, we do still have uh, a lot of protesting going on around the county, including outside of Councilmember Paul Koretz's house this week. What was that?
1: Looked like such a fun the, one. It was, it was just it a, it? one of those, it gave you, like, you know, put a smile on your face. It was organized by a group of people that were affiliated with UCLA, since that does encompass his district, but many other groups were, were represented and were there. And as you remember, we talked about, as our readers will remember, we talked about on the show, he made some pretty gross comments as the the protest got underway really revealing his affinity for property a destruction over yeah. the loss of lives and has also just been uh i mean it's no surprise with a lot of the ongoing discussions about the people's budget and certain council members who have, have been completely really silent on this him being one of them because it would probably anger his constituents so much
0: <laughs> he was he was silent on it until this yeah, past yeah. week when he compared it to the purge right, right? like the the movie series <laughs> yeah. If Which you, is what I'm you sure don't a lot have... of those
1: constituents would also agree. <laughs>
0: yeah, I—I I mean, Paul Carets, I—I disagree with him on basically every material policy. Imaginable, But it's hard to imagine somebody more representative of, of his <laughs> constituents per se. I mean, at least I shouldn't say that. There are definitely people in CD5 that are not in favor of, I'm sure, their council member saying that, like, four-story buildings is, like... Dubai or whatever, or saying that it's just as concerning to have a vandalized building as it is to like have cops murder somebody in cold blood or that dearming or disarming and defunding the police would lead to like mass murder in the streets. I'm sure I would love CD5 to elect somebody who is the polar opposite of of Paul Koretz but yeah that was that was his take on the people's budget this yeah. week so they brought and the purge to him they showed
1: him what it would be like to have angry <laughs> angry mobs outside your house
0: <laughs> they brought they brought the purge to him and and it was very like what well well behaved a polite
1: purge young yeah people I feel like it was yeah yeah
0: dr- driving <laughs> around the block marching with signs and like if that is the purge then that seems fine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem like uh doesn't seem that horrifying yeah. funny maybe the funniest part about this to me is that People's City Council on on Twitter a, a group of activists that has been intimately involved in pushing for the, the People's Budget LA plan they said that They spoke with a police officer on site who said that they had, like, hustled Paul Caretz out of the residence to, like, to safety. And I'm just kind of, like, imagining him with his, like, coat over his head and, like, being rushed to a waiting limousine or something. (laughs) to another district I mean these
1: they they took him to West Hollywood isn't that what they said he had another house in West Hollywood or something he
0: he does have two houses and there has for as long as he has been in office is it Paul Kretz, the council member for the 5th district he used to be a West Hollywood city council member way back in the day and i think for as long as he's been in LA city politics which does require that you be a resident of the city there has been like some like skepticism about whether or not he actually lives in the council district 5 house that he rents or if he lives primarily in West Hollywood in the house that he owns and so people city council was saying they spoke with people on the block who said that they had never even seen Paul Kretz there although apparently he was present at the at the time of the protest anyway these type of protests i think we've seen a lot of lately and don't seem to be don't seem to be going anywhere this is the, like there was the full police escort obviously to get Kretz out of the residence It's the exact same type of thing that the police union hit Nuri Martinez for recently because, uh, according to to their claim, it was hypocritical of her to to have a police guard while she was uh, advocating for a small-ish cut to the police (laughs) budget. Paul Coretz, though, he hasn't been advocating for that. So, I guess he is like, he's probably not going to get attacked by police. I don't know.
1: (laughs) It was so great. Also a few other things to, I guess, to watch things that happen as we go into this next week, a really exciting letter. And it says from concerned city employees to Mayor Garcetti and city council. And this is a letter that has been signed by many. I don't know. It says the latest update I see is 200 plus, but that was, there'll be more by the time that you will see this letter that it'll, it'll go out again This is a letter from uh, city employees who are, it says, we are outraged by the brutality perpetrated by LAPD during the recent protest and by mayor and city council's refusal to heed community calls for a just budget. So, this is like a pretty forceful, forcibly written set of demands. And I really like the the way that they're kind of categorized it's reinvest, release, respond, and rebuild, really kind of giving a shout out to the many types of employees and and what they they do in the city. And this is a, a very strong statement that really calls out our leadership and uh, will hopefully be um part of the conversation going forward. um and And I just want to also note within the the statement, it uh, also amplifies the demands for police to be taken out of LAUSD, Metro, the public library, Lhasa. You know, these are places that we've talked about again and again. Uh, and this week, uh, LAUSD board did not move forward on any of the proposals to eliminate police or police funding with the schools. We talked about that before. Metro, however, did vote 9-2 to two mm-hmm. to reimagine public safety however they choose to do it. I don't know exactly what, it. it, it wasn't like a there weren't like three different plans, for example, put forth like there was for the school board, but there is a motion by Mike Bonin, and it does look like they are going to really seriously consider some really great testimony and and comments from the board members.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm first of all happy with with Metro's decision to at least continue having that conversation. I don't feel, I mean, it's hard to know exactly what that will look like at this point, so I think it's it's kind of too too early to judge it on on merits. But I I do think, though, that it's really exciting to see the letter coming out from from L.A. City employees. And I I think it is kind of reflective more broadly of what appears to be growing discontentment across local agencies. City um, Metro experienced something similar after Metro's handling of, of the protests when it shut down service and converted its buses into transport vehicles for the Los Angeles Police Department. There's been a lot of discontentment from from city employees, from Metro employees, etc. It does seem like that is growing. And I I wonder what forms that will take. And we will definitely be watching it closely as as time goes on. That is it for our show for this week. If if there are any major Monday news drops or anything like that, I guess we will see you before (laughs) next week. Otherwise, thank you for listening to LA Podcast and we will see you next week. Bye.